Now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. I read a quote this morning I wanted to share with you. It's from a guy called Drew Schaefering. He's a hairstylist. Hear me out. He said, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Now that's wisdom. And he's a hairdresser. I used to order, which is wonderful. He's a businessman and a hairdresser. But I used to order a drink. When I'd go to a coffee shop, I'd get a quad shot mocha with raspberry flavoring and whipped cream. And I'd get back to the real estate office where I was, and everybody would say, oh, it's a hairdresser drink. So I started calling it a Mancino, just to butch it up a little bit. And then I decided, hmm, Viper. And I'd walk into the same coffee shop, and after time, they would say, Chris, do you want a Viper? <laughs> Why not? I'll take a Viper. Today on the program, Rhonda Johnson with Cornerstone Home Lending. She'll be up in a little bit. And we're going to be talking about sort of unpacking lingo. There's a lot of things you hear either in the news or you'll hear when, when you're discussing contracts for real estate or mortgages. And maybe some of the terminology is thrown around and bantied about a little bit as though everybody knows. Well, not everybody does know because not everybody lives and breathes this like I and Rhonda Johnson do. So we are going to be unpacking some real estate lingo, plus you'll learn what today's prevailing interest rate is and what you'd have to do to go about getting it. Because you hear an interest rate, be it on CNBC or somewhere online, doesn't matter. It may or may not apply to you. It all depends upon your ability to manage your credit and what your debt to income ratio is. There's a lot of variables. So we're gonna to talk to Rhonda about the prevailing interest rate and then maybe ask her a couple of questions relative to uh, what you should expect dependent upon where you are credit-wise and other. So Jim Rohn wrote a book called Four Seasons. And essentially he breaks life down. What I love about Jim Rohn's writing, when he wrote and he spoke, he's passed away now some, gosh, I don't know, 14 years or something, but he, he worked all through the 70s and 80s and 90s and even into the 2000s in this space of business philosophy. And he had this idea that every season has a purpose and it could be a winter. Now, somebody could be having an economic summer, a boom time, but you could be facing simultaneous to that an economic winter, same as health, same as relationships. So there's a winter time of accounting and, and you're, re, you're living off of reserves. There's a, a time of spring where you better be planting. There's a time of summer where you have to be harvesting and tending and caring for, not harvesting, but caring for and tending. And then comes the fall of life, be it a business cycle or relationship or your own health, where you are harvesting, you're, you're reaping what you've sown and what you've cared for and tended. And I just love that metaphor of life, that it's so simple and so interesting, and he put things so well. I want to share this quick passage with you from his book, The Four Seasons. He writes, all of us, whether rich or poor, young or old, educated or not educated, are the sum total of those people and events that have touched us since first entering the world. I love that. The sum total of those people and events that have touched you since first entering the world. Every thought you've entertained, has had its effect upon who you are now. Every movie you've watched has had its effect. Every book or magazine you've read, 
Every television show that you have watched has had an effect on you. Every disappointment, every triumph, doubt, dream, or love for someone, each have had their effect on you. What you are and what you have, well, that is, have been slowly brought upon by yourself. That's good, right? If you're, if you're happy, if you've taken stock recently and you're, yeah, I'm thrilled with where I'm at. Good. This is in part a collection of the things and people and what you've absorbed and who's touched you in your life and also what you've done about it. He's putting the onus right on you that, that slowly over time, things that you've done, people you've allowed in your, your sphere of influence have influenced you positively or negatively to the point that they've impacted who you are today. He says, we can have, um, we can yet become unlimited. We are boundless and we have boundless opportunity. There's so much available to you. And yes, who you are is impacted, has, have, who you, where you've been has an impact on who you are today. Of course, there are certain things out of your control completely. But yet so much is in your control. And Jim Rohn was famous for never letting people off the hook. He said, those people and events which have left their mark, whether favorable or unfavorable, are now behind you. What happened, even as recently as yesterday, is no longer of any consequence unless you choose to allow it to be. I like that. Are you choosing to allow yesterday to affect today, which will impact tomorrow? Think about that. What is of great importance, says Jim Rohn, is who and what leaves a mark today and each day thereafter. I thank the ones who chose to laugh and those who acted mean. I thank the bullies for all their scraps and accidents and then some. They shaped my life, they made me like who I've become. I thank the girls who gave their hand and showed me how to dance. I thank the ones who laughed and passed and never gave a second chance. I learned that it's okay for some to go and some to stay. They shaped my life, they made me love who I am today. And I, I know that life is good. Ah, it is. Jason Mraz knows what he's talking about. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. It's time for our great millionaire book giveaway. Here's the deal. You want a free book? I've got one for you. It's got your name on it. All I ask in exchange is two things. One, your email address to sign up for our newsletter, which is chock-a-block full of good information and inspiration, but also a positive review. Well, I shouldn't say that. How about this? An honest review on Amazon. That's it. Five stars would be great. And then just an honest review of what you thought of the book, The Backyard Millionaire. Text the word millionaire at 907-299-7653. Text right now, millionaire at 299-7653, area code 907, and I'll send you a free book. They taught me generosity. They shaped my life. They let me see who I could be. So I, I know life is good.
Life is good. You know, it's easy to forget that sometimes. It really is. It could be the news you're watching. It could be the, 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 the tribulations around the world or right in your own backyard, in your family. Maybe some strife you're going through. It can get overwhelming to a point where you feel like maybe it's the economy that's got you completely upside down or concerned. Maybe there is something really horrific going on in your life. And it's just really easy to forget that there's a great, great big world and opportunity and good things happening every single day. So uh, Charles Fillmore wrote a little piece in, and Catherine Ponder shared it in a book called The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity. I want to just share just a quick little brief excerpt of that. He wrote, do not think, talk, or act any way but prosperously. Do not allow others to talk to you in a way but prosperously. Do not read anything or take seriously anything that is in print or being said that is contrary to prosperous thinking. Now, why would he say that? Why? Because what you're taking in, just like Jim Rohn was talking about in his piece, that what you take in, what you think about, what you hear, what you talk about becomes your reality. And if you're talking about hard times and you're talking about financial woes and you're talking about uh, war and you're talking about all the negative things and not in a constructive way, but in just a fearful way, you're adopting that state of mind and you're going to start to question whether or not you're enough. I was searching, I was looking for meaning. I was wondering, desperately trying I have nothing missing Who said, who said I have to find who I am Who said, who said That I am lost to begin with I am already enough Everything I need is within me Each one is I think you know this. If you listen to this show at all, you know that I've got a goal of helping 2,000 people in the next two years become backyard millionaires. And I am so passionate about that. I am so focused on it to the exclusion of probably anything, anything else that has top of mind in my own life or goals. Every time I sit down to write my goals, that's the top goal. That's the thing that I say, look, this, this matters. I have a lot of things happening and going on, but I never lose focus of that because I care. And, and in part, it's because of what Jim Rohn was saying in his piece that I've been touched by so many people that have imparted knowledge, wisdom, and belief in me that I wake up in the morning and I think, okay, how can I impact you today in a positive way. In fact, I have what Napoleon Hill called a definite chief aim, and I, I've been focused on this for years, and it's honing in now on helping you see yourself in a larger way, helping you see yourself as a backyard millionaire, a business owner and a backyard millionaire. And my, my definite chief aim is to serve, influence, inspire, motivate, and be a positive force in your life. And if there's something I can do for you, I'd love for you to text me anytime or email go to my website i love homer alaska.com or text at 907-299-7653 a great way to start this relationship is just grab the book for free text in millionaire 
5-3. I'm Chris Story, and you're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. When we return, it's time for Mortgage Moment right here. Stick around. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. It's time for our Mortgage Moment with Rhonda Johnson and Cornerstone Home Lending. Rhonda is everything you need. No matter where you're purchasing, you can go online at rondajohnson.net or call or text like I do at 907-252-5682. Rhonda, you take the mystery out of mortgage lending. It can be cumbersome, uh, boring, but also intimidating and overwhelming, awesome experience to try to go through the mortgage process. But we know it's the on-ramp to wealth creation and building and laddering your way up in life to play this game and to get through it. And so I just want to say thank you for simplifying the process for all the clients that, that we send you, but also for Tiffany and I over 20 years now working with you and bringing to us today this topic of let's unpack the lingo. Let's talk about it. So you wanted to talk about some of these things that you and I just take for granted. We use these words all the time and, and don't think anything of it. But what is the difference between pre-qual and pre-approval relative to somebody getting a mortgage? Right. So a prequal is me taking a look at all of the documentation you provide me mm -hmm. and I run it through our automated underwriting system. And when it says yes, then I say, I'm pretty darn sure you can go buy a house right now. So based on my knowledge and experience and what I see, then yeah, you can go look for a home. And then pre-approval is where we take all that paperwork and actually turn it into an underwriter. So the underwriter is going to review all of that, make sure we haven't missed anything. And they're the ones that have the ultimate yes. And that's the one that we want to get that pre-approval that says, barring anything different happening with the property or the appraisal or something like that. Yes, you can close on this home. Is it becoming more common to do the pre-approval? Because, I mean, it just seems like now it just, it makes so much more sense. Why wouldn't you do that? Is that, is it becoming sort of the mainstay of, of the industry? Sometimes. So, you know, we're, we're pretty... We're, we're pretty good at knowing whether this thing is going to go through or not. Mm -hmm. So based on what we see, um, you know, sometimes things happen and, and something changes. But for the most part, we're usually pretty good at knowing whether this loan is going to ultimately close. Sometimes we'll take somebody that mm, maybe we have a little bit of questions on or we're really fighting for. And we do want that final approval. Uh, and then we'll go ahead and put them through the process. But things are moving so quickly right now. Most people don't want to wait to get that full pre-approval in their hands. Mm -hmm. They just want to go out and buy their home. Well, let's say somebody goes to the extent of like, look, I don't have a property in mind right now. I just want to be pre-approved and have the strongest letter possible. How long would that letter be good for if, if they mm -hmm. don't have the home today, but they go to make one, what, two, three months later? Is that any good at that point? Sure. Yeah, it's usually good for 120 days. Okay. And then we need to start updating because things are getting too old. So it gives you about 120 days to shop. All right. You also put on your list of things to unpack. By the way, you are listening to Mortgage Moment here on The Backyard Millionaire. Chris Story talking with Rhonda Johnson at Cornerstone Home Lending. If you just tuned in, this might not make sense. I'm about to say three initials that I don't understand. D-T-I. What is D-T-I? Yeah. So D-T-I is your, is your total debt to income ratio. Oh, and what we do okay. with that, Chris, is we look at... Um, what the new house payment is going to be, plus any other monthly debts like car payments, credit cards, that kind of thing. And we divide that into your income. Most of the loans have a rule that we want to see that somewhere in the 40% range. So new house payment plus other debts divided into your gross income 
before any taxes or anything are taken out, then we want to see that somewhere around 40%. Most of the loans, they can push up near 50%. And so you could spend up to 50% of that income. We do work off of that gross income number before anything's taken out, because that way we know you have 50 to 60% of your income left to cover those taxes and insurance and gas and groceries and utilities and day-to-day living expenses. So DTI is debt to total income ratio. But the good news is groceries aren't getting more expensive. So that's, that's great. Well, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> you should be able to spend more on your house, right? <laughs> that's right, exactly. So, all right, so DTI, I have to admit, I mean, I'd heard debt to income ratio, of course, but I'd never really even paid attention to DTI. So that that's great. So if you see that on a form somewhere, now you know. How about APR? Yeah, so you're going to see a couple of different um, interest rate numbers. And one of them is the note rate. The note rate is what you're actually going to be making payments, um, making your payments at. So let's say like you have a $200,000 loan and you're paying 6.5% interest and then your monthly payment is going to be X dollars. And that's what your monthly payment is based on. Now, the APR takes into account the financing charges that you pay to borrow that $200,000. And so certain fees that you're paying at closing get included in there, like mortgage insurance, like discount points, some of the lender fees. And they amortize that out over the whole life of the loan and say, in order to borrow this money, it's going to cost you X X percent at this interest rate basically over the life of the loan for paying those fees up front. So don't get confused with the APR being what you're actually paying, making your payments based on. That's the actual note rate. But the APR is a tool that you can use to compare different loan products based on different costs by comparing just one number, that APR number. It's funny you should say tool because I'm a bit of a tool when I'm at a closing for myself and I cannot help it. I always, no matter who's doing the closing, the escrow agent or whatever, um, I always point to the APR. That's not the rate I agreed to. And they're like, no. And then it takes them a minute to realize I'm being uh, a bit of an idiot. Um, Okay, so you explained APR, note rate, um, fixed rate versus ARM. I mean, that seems pretty self-explanatory, but a lot of people are surprised that even ARMs are even still a thing. So people that aren't familiar, explain the difference, please. Yeah, so fixed rate, of course, means that your interest rate is, stays the same through the entire term of the loan. Now, adjustable rate, the reason why there's some confusion there is because sometimes adjustable rates or arms are fixed for a period of years before mm-hmm. it starts adjusting. And so it could be fixed for three, five, seven, even 10 years. And then you see it start going into an adjustable rate mortgage. And that's why there's a little bit of confusion between the fixed and the arm. So if, for example, sometimes we'll have, let's say military people, sometimes they're only here for four years. And so they might choose to do an adjustable rate mortgage with that fixed period up front because oftentimes they can get a little bit of a lower rate. And why not? Because they're going to be moving on in four years. So there's no sense in getting that 30-year fixed rate at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, that makes a lot of sense. You know, Ron, I'm having a lot of conversations, and I don't want to dis- de- I don't want to derail us from continuing to talk because we've got a few more pieces of lingo and jargon we want to, you know, decipher and unpack. But a lot of people talking about tapping into their equity 
to do something else. And I'm always in favor of it, or at least the conversation of it, if that other thing they want to do is go buy another cash flow positive investment or a home and turn their existing home into a cash flow positive investment. But with this current interest rate right now, would it be advisable? Or let me ask it this way. Can you do a cash out refi on a 5-1 arm or, or any sort of an adjustable rate mortgage? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are possibilities for that. They're not, um, they're kind of few and far between. They're not very popular. Um, but but it, there is possibilities. Well, all I'm trying to do is help somebody realize that, because if you, let's just say you have $50,000 worth of equity you want to go grab, and now but you have a $250,000 mortgage, so now you're going to have not just 50000 at today's higher interest rate, but 300000 at 65 versus you were enjoying 2.75 or 3. So I'm just trying to find mm-hmm. a way where people can enjoy some of that equity for future investments, but not recast their entire loan at today's you know high interest rates. Yeah. One of the ways that you can do that is to do a, a second or a equity loan or a HELOC, a home equity line of credit. So those are some ways that you might mm-hmm. be able to tap into that credit pay the higher rate on a much smaller amount mm-hmm. and then keep that that lower first mortgage those are a little bit more um they have a little bit more rules a little bit lower loan to values that kind of thing to work with but those are all things that i suggest okay. people explore to get some of that liquidity out of your home without messing with that first mortgage all right um just one more point i wanted to make chris regarding mm-hmm. the fixed rate i have a lot of clients that ask me wait a minute, I thought I had a fixed rate mortgage. How come my payment changed? And the reason for that is that your monthly mortgage payment stays the same throughout the entire life of the loan, but oftentimes we're going to include taxes and insurance in your monthly payment, and those two numbers can change throughout the life of the loan. Mm -hmm. And so those will affect your total monthly payment from year to year, but your actual mortgage payment remains the same. Right. That's a great point because it does, from time to time, you that impound account, that reserve account, the, it needs to be, what, I don't know, does it get analyzed annually or how often does the mortgage servicer actually look at your tax and your your, your uh, insurance premium? Is that like every year they reanalyze it? Mm-hmm. Every single year they look okay. at it and they see if it's got too much money in it or not enough money in it and they make adjustments accordingly. One of my favorite things is to get a check in the mail from a mortgage company and it'll be for some little reserve amount that they're holding too much of in a, in a reserve account or something. And it, it could be, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks or whatever. But you'll see Tiffany and I kind of like fight over it like <laughs> like cats and right. a, and a, and a piece of salmon laying on the, on the side of the road. It's kind of like, no, I yeah. want that. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a nice little bonus. It but is. It's your money. You saved it. It's your money. And we paid all the bills. We had too much. So we give it back. I love it. All right. Let's talk about a rate lock because... It's not just a term, but there's a whole process around locking an interest rate. So what do you want people to know about a rate lock? Yeah, right now I'm just suggesting when we have a, an accepted offer, then let's just go ahead and lock in the rate. I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go, whether they go up or down. They're not moving down fast enough to where you feel like I just got gypped, but they move up <laughs> right. fast enough to where you really do. And so my recommendation is we talk about the rates today. If you like it, you can accept it. You're okay with it. Let's just lock it and get one more piece of weight off your shoulder. Um, some of the programs like through uh, some of the programs you can have a float feature or change it, but most of them, 
once you're locked, you're locked. We're protecting you in the event that they go up. And But if they do go down, I can't change it. There's a lot of psychology in the rate lock. For example, you helped Tiffany and I refinance a duplex that we had as an owner finance situation and, and we had a, a balloon payment to make and so we had a call due and we were uh, preparing to uh, refinance it. But we, we pushed out till the last possible you know couple of months and so the interest rate we'd been paying on owner finance was 6% and we were able to lock in with you all at Cornerstone Home Lending at 5.99 and it felt great. <laughs> It's so stupid. It's so stupid. But we've got sub six and I just beat my chest and told everybody who'd listen. But the, the reality is, Rhonda, if I'd acted the prior year, I'd have been somewhere in the four range. And but I yes. but psychologically, I put that out of my mind. I'm sub six. I'm happy. Yeah. So there's a lot of going on in the brain. And the reality is, I like what John Calhoun used to always say here at our office, that there's there's somebody with two suitcases filled with, say, $400,000 take the money just you know just you can re and like you say what do you what's your famous line about the rate in your home it, it, yeah so you can marry the house but date the rate you that's can get it. a new rate later on that's it uh, when you get when you get tired of this one break up with it and go get a new one that's right all right lastly let's just jump quickly to closing costs versus prepaids uh, we put those into every purchase and sale agreement there's going to be a, <clears throat> a split between the buyer and seller on those things or if you're just refinancing there's going to be a combination of both what's the difference yeah, so you'll see this really big number, right? When we say, here's your down payment that you need, and then here's your closing costs. And it's this really big number. Now, part of that number is going to be the the costs to borrow the money, any lender fees, title fees, appraisal fees, recording fees, uh, surveys, you know, so just fees for all these people involved in you borrowing this money and buying this home. There's another number that's included in there, and we just kind of talked about your taxes and insurance being included in your monthly payment. And as you make each monthly payment, say it's a $1,000 a month, then we might take $200 a month and put it in your escrow account for taxes and insurance. And every month that builds up, builds up, builds up. And then when the tax bill comes due, we reach in, write a check and pay your taxes, and we pay your insurance. And that's when we see if there's any money left over or if we need to put more money in there. But because it takes you 12 months to get a whole year's worth of taxes and insurance payments at $200 a month built up, then we need to pay that first year's bills at closing. So we'll pay your insurance a whole year in advance. And then when you make your first payment, we're starting your savings account for next year's bill that's gonna come due. So we pay that first year's taxes and insurance as prepaids we're prepaying your taxes and insurance for you and that gets added into those closing costs so it makes that number look really really big and it is but it's both the cost to borrow the money plus paying your taxes and insurance if you wrote a check and paid cash for this house you'd write another check for your taxes and another check for your insurance so they're lumped in as closing costs but they're really not a cost to borrow the money you need to buy the house RhondaJohnson.net is the website. You can call or text from anywhere, 907-252-5682. Rhonda, thank you so much for being here and explaining all of this and, as always, making the complicated simple. Excellent. Thank you so much, Chris. Have a great day. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. Stick around. We've got much more to come. We'll be right back.
Here's a poem of gratitude by Clara Morbito. I think it's just fantastic. See what you think. It goes like this. I choose to be happy. I choose to be grateful. I choose to be caring and always be thoughtful. I choose to be well. I choose to be fine. I choose to be healthy all of the time. I choose to be patient. I choose to be strong. I choose to be calm all day long. How many times have you heard someone say, oh, if I had his money, then I could do things my way. listening to the backyard millionaire how to create wealth where you are with what you've got i'm chris story along with mr david webb bringing you what my mom calls the greatest show on earth you can find this great show in podcast form at my website ilovehomeralaska.com or anywhere you download podcasts including spotify amazon music itunes etc so going back to charles fillmore for just a moment he said, think upon plenty ideas. A businessman, now mind you, this was written in the 1960s. A businessman recently said to a banker who was trying to talk hard times to him. This is the businessman. He says, there's plenty of money in the world. There's plenty of wealth. There are plenty of wealthy resources to be developed and tapped into. I refuse to believe in anything but wealth and prosperity for myself, for you, and for all of mankind. The banker shook his head and said, you know, you're, the one of the most, you're one of the most optimistic people I know. He then proceeded to lend this businessman a sizable amount of money with which this man proved that there is wealth and prosperity for anyone who thinks prosperously and who uses words of confident expectation. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. The book, by the way, if you ever, if you want to pick it up, probably only going to be able to find it used, The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity by Catherine Ponder. And again, she shares a few thoughts and ideas from Charles Fillmore, who was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the founder of the Unitarian Church. I want to talk about facts versus opinion. But before we do, let's check in with Brian Tracy on becoming a millionaire. Becoming a self-made millionaire is not the important thing. What is really important is the person you have to become to become a self-made millionaire. You have to become a totally different human being. My friend said, one of my friends says that in order to, be, to achieve something you've never achieved before, you have to become someone you've never been before. And it's a really important insight is the qualities that you need to develop, the qualities on the inside to become a self-made millionaire are incredible qualities that make you a vastly better person. Not only better in terms of character, determination, discipline, decision-making, strength, and so on, but they make you a far better person. They round out your character in a far better way. So the, the real payoff of becoming wealth, wealthy is not because you can eat more, because how many more meals can you eat? How many more clothes can you wear? Because it's the kind of person that you become, and then the kind of person, people that you associate, the kind of life that you have. 
And so the things that we're going to talk about now, and I know that you're some of the smartest people in our country, so I'm going to give you these ideas very quickly, like dealing cards. What I found in my research is that there's a series of qualities that self-made millionaires have. If you have these qualities, your success is virtually guaranteed. And if you don't have these qualities, the qualities are learnable. Point number one is that all business or sales skills are learnable. All financial skills are learnable. If you can drive a car, you can learn any skill. If you can drive a car, you can learn the skill. Now, number two is you're probably only one skill away from doubling your income right now. You're probably only one skill away from setting yourself on the road to becoming a self-made millionaire. That turns out to be the case for almost everyone. And if you don't know what that skill is, maybe over the course of the time we spend together, it'll jump out at you. But whatever it is, you've got to find it out and go to work on it because it is learnable. It's a learnable skill. People say, well, I don't mean, you know, I've never been very good with money. Well, get over it. The fact of the matter is you can learn what you need to learn to achieve anything that you want to achieve. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, buy you furniture for your house, maybe a nice Chesterfield or an Ottoman. Brian Tracy on how to become a self-made millionaire. It's all learnable. Another person I really like, Tiffany turned me on to her name is Marie Forleo. Great podcast and books out there. And, and she says everything's figure-outable. Her little Italian mother taught her that. Everything's figure-outable. Everything's learnable. One of the greatest ways to learn is to read. Mark Twain said, he who does not read is not better off than he who cannot read. Given away several books here already today, being mailed off here later today, and I'd love to send one to you. It's a great millionaire book giveaway in exchange for signing up for my newsletter, so I'll need your email address for that. But we do not spam, by the way. It's just the newsletter. It's inspirational, insightful, and timely. You'll love it. And then um, the second thing I'm asking is if I send you this book, that you'll just give an honest rating and review on Amazon. And the reason is that people actually get to see the book more often in their feed when they're looking at Amazon or prompt and promotions because of the very mysterious algorithms. The more reviews you have, the more it pushes the book in front of other people. So that would be my trade for you. Just text the word millionaire at 907-299-7653. And if you want it inscribed and sent to someone you love, just simply tell me that. And I could send it to a recent graduate, maybe a high school graduate, college graduate that you would love to help inspire to create a million bucks in their own backyard. And I'll remind you, the book isn't just about how to make money. It's about what Brian Tracy was talking about, who you become in the process. And the ideas in that book uh, come from real life and over 25 years of investing and being around investors and working with uh, incredibly smart, wonderful people, starting with my father and uh, many other people that I've been blessed to uh, have been around. So I'd love to share that with you. Again, text the word millionaire at 907-299-7653. Send you a book today. Got to go to the post office anyway. So I might as well send one to you. So fact versus opinion. This comes today from the book by M.R. Kottmeyer called Thoughts to Build On. Why, you're one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen, and that's not saying much for you. <laughs> uh, that's, that's an opinion. 
not a fact. I had to just demonstrate the difference between opinion and fact. Am I right? You know, we live in this age of, of almost congressional oversight over misinformation disinformation, disingenuous information shared online and so forth. And I just wonder, where was the government when I was a young man standing in the grocery line looking at the cover of the Inquirer magazine going, Elvis is alive. Um, or aliens have been abducting people in Omaha for decades. And although that could be fact. Anyway, let's talk about the difference between facts and facts and opinions. So M.R. Kottmeyer says, can you separate facts from opinions? He says, I could see the lines of worry and fear etching themselves ever more deeply in the face of the past middle-aged man who told me, I've lost my fortune through unwise investments. It's too late for me to start over. My family and I will live out our lives in disgrace and poverty. This is a quote from a man to M.R. Kottmeyer. He says, this man had only one fact. All of the rest of his statements were opinions. Accepting your opinions as being facts can ruin you. What was this man's one fact? It was the fact that he had lost a sizable fortune through unwise investing. That was a fact. It was merely his opinion that, being past middle-aged, it was too late to start over and build another fortune. Isn't that great? I mean, there, there are so many things in your life that are probably opinions in your own mind that have been taken for fact by your, your conscious mind has informed your subconscious mind that these are facts. Register this as a fact. And the fact is, those are probably opinions about yourself or your capabilities or this late stage of life, this late stage in the market. I mean, how on earth am I supposed to get into the market now? I mean, come on, have you seen the average price of a home? Are you kidding me? It's out of control. Well, that's an opinion. And when we return to the Backyard Millionaire, I'm going to share some facts with you about buying your first or your next home and how you cannot miss in any market anytime right here on the Backyard Millionaire. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. No matter what you do or who you are, here's some advice you can use. Look for news you can use. You know, with the rise of 24-7 news cycle, it's almost become like sport. You know, rather than actually information, news has become entertainment. And I think that you can actually flip the script in your own world and you take control of it. We don't need a congressional act. We don't need to have some sort of uh, artificial filtration put on our minds and or our computer screens. We need to discern for ourselves what we're going to pay attention to, what we're going to focus on, and how we're going to use it. News you can use. So rather than entertainment, use your news as a strategy for your own investing, your own living, your own well-being, your own happiness and relationship management. How are, how are you going to vote? Well, of course, you need to consume some news to inform yourself about 
whose ideas, what decisions, and what impacts are happening nationally, statewide, but almost more importantly, or at least as importantly, locally. I mean, you should be so concerned about what's happening in your own backyard that you're, you're almost an expert in that news and you're aware of what's happening elsewhere, but you really you understand that the impact of what you can do about it is happening right here. And if you don't pay attention to that, then it could negatively impact your investment, impact your own portfolio as, as you're building your own backyard millionaire portfolio. It's just really important. And then you get to use your voice in a very educated and eloquent way with your elected officials. You're not, um, you're not screaming at each other on Facebook. We're not screaming at each other on Facebook and, and other social media platforms and, and really completely feckless and ineffectual. Really, we're using news that we can use, digesting it, thinking about it. Discernment plays a huge part of this. And then having conversations. I love to, to conversate with people I disagree with because it helps me sharpen my saw and my own ideas and formulate and postulate, wait a minute, what do I really think about that issue? So I'm enjoying that news you can use idea. And I find it to be a lot, I mean, a lot more inspirational. You think if you pay too much attention and begin, it becomes a sport, you almost think that there ain't nothing but bad people out there. Will you win? It's your show now. So what's it gonna be? Because people will tune in. How many train wrecks do we need to see before we lose touch? Thought this was low. Well, it's bad, getting worse. Where'd all the good people go? Well, Jack, I'll tell you where all the good people are. They're right here. They're your neighbors. They're your friends. It's a community with which you reside and where your fortune will be made. Hey, speaking of fortunes, is a REIT right for you? <laughs> no. I, rather not. REIT, rather not. At least that's my little spiel for REITs. I, I like the idea. That, that if you've got more money than time, let's just say, for example, that you, you just have zero interest in real estate and zero time. Like, I don't want to dedicate time to building my fortune, Chris, but I've got enough, you know, spinoff income and, and disposable income that I could invest in real estate as long as the return was correct and I didn't have to do anything but read a financial statement. Fine. Then a REIT's right for you. And a REIT is a real estate investment trust. It's a very vertical investment strategy. Think of it as a mutual fund and but all of the funds are going into real estate investments. As a REIT member, you might be part of a, a mall in Des Moines. Don't know, don't care. You just look at your statement every month. Um, but it's not how you're going to make your fortune. Now, you can put a little bit. It's like taking an egg or two and sticking it into that basket. Then set it and forget it. It's going to do about as well for you. And again, I'm not a financial advisor. But it's going to do about as well for you as any mutual fund. Or, or stock investment that you're not really in control of and or you know receiving dividends primarily. You might find one REIT or two that's gonna be given some dividends, but for the most part, REITs aren't right if you're looking to make a fortune. NerdWallet says investing in real estate directly can be more lucrative, but it requires more time and more cash. Well, I like the idea of the sentence where it says it's more lucrative. Because it is. And I, and I promise you, nobody's getting wealthy by taking a, a ten or twenty or $30,000 and running it up in value in a REIT. It's, it's, there's going to be an annual percentage uh, rate of return. 
I don't know, maybe 8 10%, something like that. It's not shabby, but it's not the wealth creation that actual direct real estate investing can offer. So let's talk about climbing the property ladder. Remember we talked about like wherever you are in the ladder of life, you can still, it's not too late. You're only going to think of prosperous things and talk and speak in a prosperous way, right? Well, it can start with buying your first home. The book, The Buy and Hold Real Estate Strategy, has been in my hands. This particular book I'm holding right here, you can hear that. This book has been in my hands since 1993, and I, I read it constantly. I thumb through it. The pages are worn and dog-eared. This is an old, old copy of this book. You can still find it online. Get it. Dr. David Schumacher says, buying your first property, in my opinion, the first property you should buy should be residential. The single-family residence with a unit in the back or a duplex would be absolutely ideal. After you buy a piece of property, you become more knowledgeable. You get to know the community. And as a result, you become more interested in what's happening. It kind of ties back to the community news right in your own backyard that you can use. So typically the first purchase is not that terrific because you're coming into the community you really don't know. This assumes that you're moving into a community. But he goes on to say, after that first investment, you become, you become wiser, you become more educated, the process becomes simpler, and now you can redouble your efforts and you'll do it again. And if you follow my formula, you'll end up with four homes minimum. And I challenge you, you probably will not be able to stop at four. Once you get started, you can't stop at just four. You'll probably end up with four, five, or more. And anybody can do it anytime, anywhere, and you could start with what you've got. And part of it could just be as simple as buying a book. Part of it could be as simple as, as reading the book that you buy and realizing that if you've got one home already, hmm, you could ladder your way into the next home. And that may not sound enticing to you, but what if you were able to pick up a copy of, say, my book, The Backyard Millionaire, or this book, The Buy and Hold Real Estate Strategy, and influence somebody else in your life and help them see their greater and larger potential? So many times I talk to people whose uncle, I always pick the word uncle because I don't want to pick on mom and dad, a mom and dad, not mine. My parents have been real estate investors since before I was born, uh, my grandparents before them. It's, but I, so I've had that influence in my life. But there are times where people, could be, could be a parent, it could be an aunt and uncle, so I just say an uncle, some uncle somewhere that lost a property in the 80s during a crash or um, made a bad investment and happens to be that guy that like M.R. Kottmeyer was talking about, oh, I'm ruined, I'm ruined, see? And they couldn't get past it, can't get past it, and that influence has marred you or could have marred you. What could you do in the opposite? What could you do to help somebody else? And this season of life, here we are in May, mid-May, we're approaching graduation of all sorts. Eighth grade graduation, high school graduation, college graduation. People are beginning to launch into a life. And a lot of times we, well, we're a little bit behind in that financial education. We think we've got to find the 401k, we've got to feed it, we've got to fund it, we've got to maybe stop drinking coffee so we can uh, put everything into some sort of a, an IRA or a maturing CD over time, whatever it is, when the reality is underneath all is the land. Underneath all is the land. That is the base motto for the National Association of Realtors. Under all is the land. And that is where wealth is made and kept. The promise of the American dream is not your piece of land. It's your right to private property, ownership, and the protection thereof, constitutionally protected. That's the American dream. 
It's available to you right now. All you have to do is change your thoughts and you can change your world. And in fact, in so doing, you'll change the world. Becoming a millionaire, becoming a wealthy person, becoming somebody who's optimistic, somebody who can discern from what is mis, dis, or malinformation and go, wait a minute, something's not right about that. I'm going to do my own research. And it could impact the investment you make or don't make in your own community. And I'm simply saying, I believe that you're here for a reason. You're still here. There is something for you to do. There's somebody for you to influence. There is something that is undone. You've got to do it. You were born on purpose. I love this relationship that we've got. I, I cannot thank you enough. It's been 16 years you and I have been going through this stuff and having this conversation. And I come to this microphone every time I do as excited as though it were the first time. And if you and I have not met personally, it's interesting because I feel like we have. I feel like we have something. There's a connection. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for just being part of, part of this and a friend of mine. So thank you. If you, if you would like a copy of the book, I've got, uh, looks like I'm sending out a half a dozen or so today already. I'd love to send out more. Send the word millionaire at 907-299-7653. And I will send you a copy or a loved one. If you'd like it inscribed to a loved one or a friend who you think could use that information, I want to send it. I'm super excited. By the way, The Schoolyard Millionaire is coming along swimmingly. It's a sequel to or a backup book to The Backyard Millionaire. It's aimed more at children, probably 8 to 14, but I guarantee you because I'm interested in it, adults are going to like it too, but it just put kids as the protagonist essentially starting a business and, and learning the ropes and the tools of finance and, and growing wealth and creation of wealth and all of that um, because I wanted it for my grandkids. Little Kai asked me one day, could I become a millionaire? And he was eight at the time. I said, absolutely, absolutely. I started writing this book that day and um, I'm almost done and I'm pretty excited about it. Thank you again for being here. Thank you to Mr. David Webb for engineering the broadcast. And I'm just gonna remind you and I'll leave you with this, this little phrase that we like to say here on The Backyard Millionaire. Look forward in life, learn from your past, but never forget that the good life is lived right here in the present. We'll see you next time.